Life Talk Radio presents Health and Longevity, the program dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge information and interviews that can change your life. On each edition, nutritionist, registered dietitian, and board-certified anti-aging health practitioner, Dr. John Westerdahl, will show you how to achieve a longer, healthier life using the latest breakthroughs in nutrition, wellness, and lifestyle medicine. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Westerdahl. Welcome to Health and Longevity. I'm Dr. John Westerdahl. You can squeeze it, zest it, slice it, juice it, pickle it, or even take a sour bite out of it. It's lemons. On today's program, we will talk about lemons and their history, culinary value, and role in nutrition and health. Our featured guest today is Toby Sonneman, author of the new book, Lemon, A Global History. But before we get into today's exciting topic, let's hear the latest research and news affecting our health and longevity today. Dr. Westerdahl presents the Health and Longevity News and Research Update, bringing you the most pertinent and important information about your health and longevity. Well, here's a study that shows that potassium is an important nutrient for bone health. Potassium citrate, which is found primarily in fruits and vegetables, appears to boost bone density by neutralizing excess acid in the body. Swiss researchers gave 169 people who were over 65 either a placebo or enough potassium citrate to supplement their diets with 2,400 milligrams of potassium a day. Both groups also got calcium, about 500 milligrams per day, and vitamin D, 400 international units every day. None of the participants had bone density low enough to require treatment for osteoporosis. After two years, the potassium takers had higher spine, hip, arm, and leg bone density than the placebo takers, and the potassium citrate neutralized excess acid excretion. Potassium citrate was also good for bones when U.S. researchers gave 52 men and women over 55 either a placebo or potassium citrate at a medium or higher dose of 2,400 or 3,600 milligrams of potassium a day. Each participant also got set calcium at 630 milligrams a day and vitamin D at 400 international units a day. After six months, those taking a higher dose of potassium lost less calcium than the placebo group. The medium dose group was in between. So what should you do about this information? Eat more fruits and vegetables. Most people have excess acid in their blood because the typical American diet is rich in animal protein, which generates acid in the body. Our bones release calcium to neutralize the excess acid, which can lead to osteoporosis or brittle bones as we age. Here's a study that shows that fruit and vegetables boost immunity. Eating more fruits and vegetables may boost immunity in older people. Researchers in Northern Ireland randomly assigned 83 healthy volunteers aged 65 to 85 to eat either their normal diets or to make sure that their diets include at least five servings of fruits and vegetables each day. All participants reported eating no more than two servings a day before the study began. 
After 16 weeks, the fruit and vegetable group had a better immune response to a pneumonia vaccine, but not to a tetanus vaccine, than the people who didn't step up their produce intake. So what should you do? You should eat more fruits and vegetables. This study doesn't prove that they'll strengthen your immune system if you're under 65 or if you're already eating more than two servings a day. Well, here's research on vitamin D and prostate cancer. Men with higher blood levels of vitamin D have a lower risk of lethal prostate cancer. Researchers compared vitamin D levels in the blood of 1,260 men from the health professionals' follow-up study who were later diagnosed with prostate cancer to vitamin D levels in 1,331 study participants who were not. All the blood samples were drawn years before the men were diagnosed. Men with the highest vitamin D levels had a 57% lower risk of lethal prostate cancer than those with the lowest levels. Only 5% of the 1,260 men with prostate cancer had died by the end of the 15-year study. The researchers found no link between vitamin D levels and overall prostate cancer or prostate cancers that were aggressive, those with a high Gleason score or advanced prostate cancer. So what should you do regarding this research? Whether you're a man or a woman, shoot for the recommended vitamin D intake of 600 international units a day if you're 70 or younger and 800 international units a day if you're over 70. We'll be right back after this short break. Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and longer fulfilled life? Then visit us at healthandlongevityradio.com. That's one word, healthandlongevityradio.com. There you'll find valuable information and resources that can help you achieve optimal health and give you the secrets to longevity. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. It could change your life. Welcome back to Health and Longevity. Do you have questions about nutrition, health, or longevity? This is your chance to have them answered. On each program, Dr. Westerdahl will choose a key question from our listening audience and respond to it on the air. Due to the high volume of emails, Dr. Westerdahl cannot personally answer each question on our broadcast. If you would like to submit a question, please go to our website, healthandlongevityradio.com. Once there, you will see a button to submit your questions. And now, the question of the day. Well, the question for today is, why are blueberries so healthy for us? Well, you know, according to a study carried out by Harvard Medical School, elderly people who eat plenty of blueberries are less likely to suffer from cognitive decline compared to other people of their age who do not eat the blueberries. Blueberries were found in another study carried out by scientists at Texas Women's University to help curb obesity. Plant polyphenols, which are abundant in blueberries, have been shown to reduce the development of fat cells while inducing the breakdown of lipids and fat. Regular blueberry consumption can reduce the risk of suffering from high blood pressure by 10% because of the berry's bioactive compounds, anthocyanins. Scientists from East Anglia University, England, and Harvard University in the United States, report in the American Journal of Nutrition. Blueberry consumption has also been associated with a lower risk of artery hardening and or intestinal disease. The fruit has also been linked to stronger bones in animal studies. So include more blueberries in your diet. They are a real superfood. And now... 
Health and Longevity's special feature, where Dr. Westerdahl interviews leading experts and personalities on vital topics important to your health and longevity. Today on Health and Longevity, we are talking about lemons, their history, culinary value, and nutrition and health benefits. Our featured guest today is Toby Sonneman. Toby Sonneman is from Chicago and has spent most of her adult life in the West. She's the author of an excellent new book that I highly recommend. If you really want to know about lemons, it's the best I've seen. It's called Lemon, A Global History. And Toby has spent 10 years learning about the lemon and following its travels in Sicily, Italy, and Southern California. She is an avid user of lemons and always has a bowl of fresh lemons in her kitchen. Well, Toby, thank you for being with us today on Health and Longevity. Well, thank you for having me. Well, let's start from the beginning. Where and when did the lemon originate, and when was it first used as a healthy food? Well, it's a little bit of a mystery exactly where the lemons came from, but but it's generally agreed that it came from northeast India. And the original wild species of citrus are thought to have grown some 20 million years ago. Um, Lemon is actually an ancient natural hybrid of those original species. And we do know that people were using lemons some 1,400 years ago. The Muslim Arabs came across lemons in India and Persia and and really fell in love with them. So they carried the lemon trees along with them as they traveled to the Mediterranean. And Spain, North Africa, and Sicily, they brought lemon trees. Sicily, they are especially beloved. So lemon was well-known in the Middle East and the Mediterranean, and when did it really become popular, maybe in uh, Northern Europe? Um. First, I just want to tell you a little bit about an Egyptian and 12th century physician in in Egypt who wrote a book in in Arabic about, uh, it was kind of a medical cookbook. So that was a really early use of the lemons as a health benefit. Mm -hmm. And um, it was kind of like a medical cookbook that had dozens of recipes for lemonade and preserved lemons and recommended lemon juice and peel for various ailments, such as throat inflammations and indigestion and, and even hangover. Hmm. Um, of course, lemons grew naturally in the Mediterranean and in Egypt, but in Northern Europe, they they couldn't grow there very well, so they were imported. In in the 17th century, they became very popular. They were considered a great luxury. And you can see there was a, just a huge passion for citrus then. And you can see lemons in hundreds of paintings by the Dutch masters on banquet tables, surrounded by expensive goods like Venetian glass and gold or silver drinking cups. And also, it became the fashion for royalty and nobility in 17th century Europe to grow citrus in greenhouses. But that was really an expensive hobby because glass was so costly. So it was still very much a luxury item until the price went down for lemons in the later in the 17th century, and then they were hugely popular with, with every class. Well, we know that lemon is a great source of vitamin C, and tell us a little bit about why vitamin C is so important to our health and how lemons can be a part of supplying this vitamin C in our diet. Well, we need vitamin C to produce collagen, which is a tissue needed for healthy bones, teeth, gums, and blood vessels. And most species produce their own vitamin C, but humans and a few others do not. Right. So um, monkeys, fruit-eating bats, guinea pigs, and humans have to get it from outside sources. Um, the problem wasn't really recognized until about the age of discovery in the 1500s 
when ships were setting out on long voyages across around the world. And when they were away from land for 12 weeks or more, they started developing signs of unstable collagen production, and like bleeding, swollen gums, loose teeth, stiff limbs, and pain in the joints. And eventually, tissue would break down and they would die. So over uh, the 300 years that scurvy was uh, just a huge problem on these ships, more than 2 million sailors died of it. And that was more than died from storms, shipwrecks, combat, and all other diseases combined. So the lemon played a hugely important role when they finally realized how what a great source of vitamin C that was. Of course, they didn't know that was vitamin C contributing toward it then. So that's how they discovered uh, the cure for scurvy, is by using citrus and lemons as part of that? Oh, definitely. Um, so... <laughs> There are some really interesting things about the scurvy story, sure. um, and they they really didn't have any concept of dietary deficiency in the 1500s and 1600s as we do now. So when I wrote the book, you really had to put yourself try to put yourself back in the mindset that they thought you know God provided everything they needed to live for their food, and there was just no concept of a dietary deficiency, um, but. That's a really surprising thing is that when the ships landed, the scurvy-ridden sailors would gravitate kind of as if by instinct to citrus trees and just devour lemons and sour oranges. Hmm. Um, but there were so many other cures being tried at the time, no one really knew what was working and what wasn't. And, um, and some thought that scurvy was due to bad air, so they tried to ventilate the ships better, which, of course, was a good idea, yeah. um, but wasn't helping with the scurvy problem. Um, others tried dispensing all kinds of um, substances, including sulfuric acid or alcoholic vinegar uh, or cider, many other things. And and they had another problem with figuring out the connection with lemon juice, and that was that vitamin C degrades over time or with processing. So if you had lemon juice or some other uh, citrus juice um, that was evaporated or preserved, it really wasn't very effective. This, you know, it's really the fresh lemon juice right, because that it, would be so effective. The vitamin C could be oxidized and lost quite easily. Yes, definitely. So, so those were some of the surprises in that in the scurvy story. Now, another vitamin that uh, a lot of people don't know about uh, it's been called vitamin P. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that relates to lemons. Okay. Uh, well, first, can I tell you the, how the cure for scurvy was finally discovered? Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> okay. Because um, uh, that's an interesting story, too. Um, in 1740, Sir George Anson set off in, in Britain's first circumnavigation of the world, and he had uh, 2,000 men with him. And when he returned four years later, 1,400 of them were dead, nearly all from scurvy. Mm. So the British public was so horrified when they read the reports of this and they pressured the Navy to find a cure. And um, a, na- a Royal Navy surgeon named James Lind decided he was going to investigate which of these many proposed treatments were effective. So he took six pairs of sailors, and he gave all of them the same diet, and then gave each of them a daily dose of one of the popular scurvy remedies, such as uh, one was seawater, another was a paste of garlic and herbs. Um, there was the alcoholic cider, and then one of the pairs was given lemon and oranges, and those were the 
that was the only pair that recovered very rapidly. So it was pretty clear that, for whatever reason, the citrus was really effective. Mm. And that actually, Lynn's experiment was called the first controlled trial in clinical science. It uh, actually it, sounds like a clinical nutrition study. <laughs> yes, it really was, and, and a very early one in, in you know, the mid-1700s. So it took the Royal Navy some years to institute his recommendations, but uh, but starting in 1795, they gave sailors lemon juice every day, and you know this terrible problem that they'd have just disappeared. Well, that story of vitamin C and lemons is is an amazing story, and uh, as you said, it was one of the very first, if not the first, nutritional research study that yeah, uh, that was really analyzed. And and that's interesting. They were trying different cures that home remedies, and one of them was lemons, and that worked. It just worked. <laughs> now, uh, I, I was talking earlier, there was another vitamin uh, that fits into this whole picture, and that's vitamin P. Yes, and that's another really interesting story. I will find out it's not really a vitamin. <laughs> but, right. um, but there was a Hungarian biochemist who isolated vitamin C in 1928, and so then commercial vitamin C was appearing in pharmacies and grocery stores in the 1930s. So in 1936, this same biochemist isolated another element in lemon peel, which was said to maintain strength of the capillaries, really small blood vessels. And um, it was named vitamin P for permeability. But they did a lot of studies, and it just could not be proven that it really had any uh, health benefit. Also, if you lacked it, uh, you know, a lack of it did not cause any deficiency disease. So it really couldn't, that element could never attain vitamin status. Right. And in 1938, even the biochemist who discovered it withdrew his claims. So there really is no vitamin P, but I've still seen references to it on the Internet. <laughs> it's yes. amazing how long that... Sometimes they do, but it's really uh, your bioflavonoids, mm-hmm. citrus flavonoids, which is really a phytochemical. Right. And, um, and of course, vitamins have to be something that's been established that if you don't have, you're going to get a deficiency. Yeah. But these other compounds that are in lemons, and, and in this case, the different flavonoids uh, compounds, have beneficial effects in, uh, as you said, with the uh, different uh, capillaries and so forth, keeping them strong and healthy. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different uh, elements and chemicals I know in a lemon, <laughs> but, but it's not a vitamin. <laughs> That's right. Now, besides vitamin C, what are some of the other uh, lemons' known health benefits? Well, well, lots of people believe that lemonade can aid, uh, that lemon juice, I'm sorry, can aid digestion and elimination. And um, there are so many recommendations for taking lemon juice with hot or warm water in the morning for this purpose. I don't think that's actually been, you know, really studied in a scientific way. There's a lot of anecdotes that support this idea, and um, I'm kind of a believer myself. But uh, but as I said, I don't think there's there's uh, been formal studies of that. But that's I think way back, you know, in the as I said um, in the 12th century medical cookbook, they were recommending that, and um, and it's still being recommended. And when I looked at the history, it was kind of consistent through the years as another uh, possible benefit, anyway. <laughs> And lemons also is an antioxidant, which could be beneficial to health. Um, It's also a big help in the kitchen. You can use lemon juice to uh, to keep you know your cut apples or pears from turning brown, for example. And um, so, 
you know, it's, it's helpful in that way. There's another indirect health benefit that I've come across, which is uh, people who want to reduce sodium in their diet um, have really used lemon juice quite a bit. Yes. Because lemon really enlivens food. It's a great flavor booster. Right. So a lot of people find it helpful to squeeze on the lemon juice in place of sprinkling salt. I think you'll find that, too, as they, they use dehydrated lemon juice, like in products such as Mrs. Dash, which is mm-hmm. a salt-free uh, herbal yeah, seasoning. Yeah. And uh, that's a key ingredient to, to helping people uh, use it instead of salt. Yes, that's true. And I think uh, Sunkist even has some kind of campaign about alternative, <laughs> right. which is, is lemons, you know. So, and it's a... It's a it's a well-known thing, it's, and a lot of people find it very helpful on diets of all kinds. You know, just it's obviously very low calorie and um, and adds lots of flavor, and it does not have any salt in it. So, <laughs> all kinds of benefits in that sense. Well, let's talk about the lemon peel itself and how healthy is that to eat and add well, to your lemon peel recipes. Is, is full of vitamin C, um, as you probably know, it has actually more vitamin C than the juice in the peel. Um, I would just say it's great to eat with one caveat. You know, you, you really need to make sure that you've got unwaxed or organic um, lemon when you eat the peel because um, the commercial lemons are stored longer and they're susceptible to mold, so they're treated with a wax that contains fungicide. Um, oh, really? Personally, I wouldn't want to eat a, a commercial, you know, non-organic lemon. But organic lemons will not be waxed, and so all you have to do is wash the peel well before you eat it. Right. And I use lemon peel all the time. I think it's great. <laughs> and the lemon peel, of course, is very rich in citrus bioflavonoids that we yeah. talked about, too, yeah, um, right. for capillary uh, fragility and, uh, and, and compounds that um, National Cancer Institute believe that have some anti-cancer properties as well. Yeah, there have been uh, some studies about that as well. Now, do you find any misleading or exaggerated claims uh, that lemons may have for their benefits? Uh, yes. <laughs> there, recently, there has been um, an email going around that calls, it says, uh, the lemon is a miraculous product that kills cancer cells and is 10,000 times stronger than chemotherapy. Um, and that's been discredited. I, I don't really know where it came from because the, the health institute that it's attributed to has denied authorship of it. And there, there have been, like as you said, there's been some promising studies with right. citrus fruits and and some types of cancer cells. But you know, you really couldn't say that it's a proven cure for cancer. And as much as I love lemons, I think it's really irresponsible to to have that kind of information or misinformation. Well, let's talk about some of the culinary values of lemons, and what are some of the healthy ways you can get lemons in your diet. Uh, well, I use lemons every day in all kinds of things, and um, and I definitely use it as a salad dressing. Um, just a simple lemon juice, olive oil, and a little bit of salt makes a great dressing. And, and I use a similar dressing in um, grain and bean salads, and it goes with, uh, goes with herbs like mint or basil or thyme, or you could use it, um, or you can use lemon juice with sesame oil, soy sauce, and ginger for Asian-inspired dressing. It really goes with almost every flavor profile. It's great on vegetables. Um, one of my favorite things is just a, a bulgur salad. That you could also use um, you know, quinoa, barley, or rice, or any sort of grain um, with white beans. 
or garbanzo beans, and I use like green onion, uh, cooked or, or roasted or chopped, uh, fresh vegetables. I mean, all kinds of vegetables is great in a salad like that. And of course, I, you can also use the zest in, in a salad like that, and it could be a, you know, warm salad or cold salad or just with vegetables. <laughs> um, fruit salads is another wonderful way. And, um, of course, it goes very well with uh, fish or shellfish if you eat that. Um, I use zest in baked goods all the time. It adds a lot of flavor. Well, and, of course, me- there's always lemonade. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's the way I do. I, I, I Instead of sugar, I use stevia. Oh, that's very good. And just have the lemon. That's why it's a calorie-free drink, and it's very healthy for you. Oh, that's a great drink, yeah. Now, Toby, tell us a little about you, this beautiful, uh, small, yellow book that's out called Lemon, A Global History. Tell us about the book and some of the resources and information in the book for someone that would like to get it, because I have to tell you that it's a very complete book. It has a lot of great information about lemons. Well, thank you. Um, yes, it's uh, it's part of uh, the edible series of this of the press, uh, which is a British press called Reaction Books, and um, and uh, they do food histories, and um, and they also have uh, some recipes. So I've got some recipes in the back of the book, and I also have a, a lemon blog that adds some additional recipes. And um, and the book is um, available from any bookstore or um, or Amazon. Any. And it has lots of illustrations, which uh, is one of my favorite things about the book. <laughs> yes, a lot of great pictures and historical pictures and some of the pictures of the old ads. And it's a wonderful history. Yes, uh, lemon labels. It's got, as you said, historical pictures that um, that are really quite lovely. So um, they do a beautiful job on the book. It's, it's small. It won't overwhelm you with the history. And um, <laughs> right. and I can say that it's very well researched. As we said, I spent 10 years um not exactly uh, researching only the history, but researching all kinds of things about lemons. Um, so, I, you know, it's a wonderful project. It's been a wonderful project for me, and uh, it continues, as I can't really uh, say goodbye to lemons. <laughs> well, it's a great book, and I recommend it to anyone to add to their culinary library. I think people need to know uh, not only about good recipes and ingredients, but uh, to learn about the history of some of these things, and this was what this book really does. And we'll make it available through our website at healthandlongevityradio.com if people want a link to uh, purchasing it as well. Oh, that's great. Well, Toby, thank you so much for being with us, and we wish you the best of success of your book, Lemon, A Global History, and uh, thank you for the great information you provided with us today. Oh, well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about health and longevity and see some of my video lectures or listen to some of my presentations, you can also download podcasts of past shows here on Health and Longevity. Go to our website at www.healthandlongevityradio.com. To learn more about the books written by our guests and books written or recommended by Dr. Westerdahl in this program, please visit our website at healthandlongevityradio.com. There you can learn how to obtain your copy of these valuable and informative books. Search each page for yourself and see how you can live a happier, healthier, and longer life. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. That's all for this week's program. Until next week, this is Dr. John Westerdahl wishing you the best of health and longevity. 
This has been Health and Longevity with Dr. John Westerdahl, a production of Life Talk Radio. Join us again next week on the same station and time for Health and Longevity. The preceding information on this program has been general information about your health and is not to be taken as professional medical advice, nor is it intended to serve as a substitute for medical attention. Do not change your diet or exercise habits without guidance from your medical doctor, especially if you have health problems or are on medication. Do not change your medications without the advice and supervision of your medical doctor. If you have a medical condition, we encourage you to seek the consultation of a medical doctor experienced in dietary change and lifestyle medicine. And as always, we wish you the best of health.